Good morning. Thank you. you. May be seated. It is great to be with you. And I am always grateful for this opportunity. And uh, I love West Coast Baptist College. Uh, for those who do not know much about our, our family, uh, all three of our children came here to West Coast Baptist College. Um, we have uh, many connections with this school, and I'm so thankful for all of those who are the, in the leadership here at the school and, and just the friendships that have developed over the years. Uh, every single Saturday of every single week, I get a text from Dr. R, as busy as he is, just saying that he's praying for our services over the weekend. This past Sunday, we had a little over 900 in our service, and we didn't have, it was just a normal Sunday, and we had two grown men walk the aisle and trust Christ, and uh, one of them we've been praying for, he's been visiting, and his wife and teenage daughter was just weeping as, the, as he slipped out and came forward, and a West Coast, uh, 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 West Coast grad actually uh, led the man to the Lord, and, and uh, there at the front, at the altar, and and uh, it's exciting to see the Lord still saving people as we, as we tell others about the gospel message. I am super excited to be with you. I, I trust it will show. You have a handout. Uh, I trust it will be a help uh, to you. You can take it, use it, um, copy it. Uh, maybe maybe there will be some useful information. I'd like to preach a message about lest thou learn his ways, and we'll be uh, in Proverbs chapter 22 in just a few moments. Have you ever stopped and just watched other Christians? They, they are some of the most miserable looking people in the world. Allow me to illustrate it. So, so last night um, uh, I, I needed to run over to Walmart and buy a couple bananas for breakfast. And so I went over to Walmart and I, believe it or not, there was four West Coast Baptist College girls over at Walmart. And so I got my bananas and uh, a couple of other items and I, I was watching. They were having the best time. They were completely oblivious that they were that there were people around them. They were smiling. They were joyful. They were having a good time, although they were on that aisle that says sells alcohol. I'm not sure what that means. But anyway, um, but they were having a great time. I came back to campus and I put on my black coat, my black hat, and I began to walk around campus. Nobody, nobody knew who I was. And so I went into the bookstore. I overheard a couple conversations. There was this guy hitting on the girls that was working there um, selling I mean, that he was trying hard to, to get a date. I hope he was successful, so I, I, I listened to that. And then, um, and then I listened to some other guy, and he was telling, he was talking about his girl problems there, and, and, and he was just, he was just, I mean, he just was so distressed about it. I'm so sorry, buddy. I, I, I'd love to come over and, and talk with you about that, but then I, I walked outside the building, and, and, um, and there, were, there was a couple that were sitting, and I want to tell you, Whoever you were that was sitting on the bench last night, you are the most miserable looking dating couple I have ever seen. If you're still dating today, you should not be dating today. Because your body posture said that you were miserable. Who goes through, hey, are you okay, buddy? You're like you're sad today. Yep, there we go. We're going to learn in just a moment that we communicate more non-verbally than we do verbally. And there was a couple last night. I, listen, I'm available for a few minutes afterwards for counseling. I'll help you. 
it was rough looking last night, whatever was going on. So I, I am so sorry. But then I looked through the window. I stand out in front of Revels. I looked in the window and there's a couch there and there's another couple. I mean, he was on this end of the couch. She was on that end of the couch. You could have put 50 people between them. <laughs> he was trying so hard and she was having none of that. So I don't know about that. But, but body, body language he was communicating that he was into her. And so I, I maybe, so then I walked around the building. I, I saw foot, uh, they were practicing football down on the field. And, and uh, there was this football player evidently got in trouble. I don't know. But his body language showed that, I mean, he was on the sidelines there. And he had his helmet off and everybody else practicing. And he's had his head down. He must have he been chewed out or something. Um, but he was despondent. So I walked back up on the back side of the Revels building. I didn't know that you could see in. Dr. Shetler, this message is for him. He's got to work on his attitude. <laughs> I was watching. Now, Dr. Shetler, I, I, you need to get your glasses fixed, okay? Because there were two students sound asleep in your class last night. Now, I realize that it was way past their bedtime at 7.42. <laughs> but there were two young men, center section, second row up, sound asleep last night. I even know that you were teaching on discipline. I saw the slide. And you were having a good time. But two men were completely out. I, would, would you like to identify yourself? Dr. Shetler would like to see you afterwards. So, um, but there were two ladies. They were having the best time. And I don't think it had anything to do with your lesson. <laughs> they were sitting on your right and right close to the window. And they were, they were talking about something and grinning and laughing. And they had no idea where they were even at. But Christians are often some of the most miserable looking people in the world. And we communicate. I love being a Christian. About half of you too. I love being a pastor. But you know what? I have some big challenges in my life. There are days that it is not fun to be a pastor. There are days that it's difficult to be a pastor. But I still love being a pastor. I love being a husband. 33 years of marriage, and we're going to try it a little bit longer. It's worked so far. And, and, uh, and I love being a husband. I love being a, a dad, and that's cool. But I love being a grandparent. And four grand... I mean, we should have grandbabies first. It would be a good thing. But I communicate. I love, I just, I love life. And may I just tell you, there's been some hard times in my life. But I still love life. Um, I, I was born into an alcoholic family. My dad owned a bar. Uh, my mom ran the bar during the day. My dad ran it at night. Uh, I grew up in some very, very difficult circumstances. I had a son who was kidnapped in, in Peru. My, my daughter had a wreck uh, here at West Coast, a, a very serious wreck when she was a student here. I could go on to tell you sob stories, but you know what? I don't let them define who I am today. I love being a Christian. I love being a pastor. I love serving the Lord. And I hope that that communicate. It radiates. So let's look at some things about attitude this morning. And maybe if you're struggling with your attitude, 
man, I'm sick of school. I can't wait till Thanksgiving gets here. I'm out of here. And maybe, just maybe, we can have an attitude check this morning so that when we go into the Thanksgiving, we come back with a great attitude. Attitude is defined this way. It's a state of mind or it's a feeling with regard to some matter. So based on this definition, every one of us, we have an attitude because we all have feelings about something or that guy last night, he had feelings about someone. I watched that. Positive and negative. Uh, uh, there, there are only two options and we possess the ability to have both a negative attitude and a positive attitude. And uh, we are often defined by which one we see you have as a student. One of the consequences of having that negative attitude is that we always find other people to keep company with. Many individuals, they delight in finding something wrong about situations or things or rules or people. And someone has said this, birds of a feather flock together. And I like to say this, cockroaches flock together. <laughs> they always find each other. This is an absolute truth. Uh, for many years, been in ministry for 26 plus years. We take our teenagers to camp. Um, in our, in, as much as we invest in our teenagers, we want our teenagers to love the Lord. There's always still those negative teenagers. It doesn't take them but about five minutes to find the other negative teenagers that came from the other churches. And they just go, whoop. And they're, they're together for the rest of the week. And all the positive teenagers find each other. Do you know what still happens here at college? The negative people find each other. The positive people find each other. Our text is in Proverbs 22, verse 23 through 25. It says this, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. And then there's this, this little phrase, Lest thou learn his ways. And if you learn his ways, it's going to become a snare to your soul. It's going to become a trap. It's going to be, you're going to become entangled with the things of this world. May I just encourage you, be a person of your word. When you make a commitment, follow through. And if you tell someone you're going to do something, do it. We need some, we need some positive faith people with an amazing attitude that's demonstrated by the way we carry ourselves. So I'd like to ask you this morning. How is your attitude? How's your attitude? You only have just a few weeks and you're out of here for Christmas break. And we all say, Amen. hey, that's pretty good. good. Pretty good response. How many of you are ready to go home? Amen. All right. How many of you wish it was today? Amen. I wish it was today for you too. But it's not. So we got to have a... <laughs> Positive faith attitude between now and the time that you go home. Uh, do you exhibit a, a look of frustration and anger when you walk around? The Bible says in James 4, verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is a what? It's a sin. So discovering the importance of life, it keeps you on track. And a purpose in life will not allow you to wait until tomorrow what you can do today. Do you realize, <coughs> excuse me, Today, you could have a positive faith attitude. You could turn your attitude around today. Um, a guy by the name of Keith Harrell, he said this, For every victory and loss, there's a lesson in disguise. Without life's ups and downs and temporary joys and defeats, you'll never know the stock of which you're made. 
The fact is, is that we're going to go through some hard times. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you did have a breakup. Maybe you're that couple that should have broke up last night. I don't know. But uh, there's, a, there's, going to be some, uh, there's going to be some joys and there's going to be some setbacks in life. And we're going to discover what we're made of during that time. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Now, Here's what I want you to capture in this next section of your notes. Dr. Ed Metcalf is a Christian psychologist and he did a, a large study on this. And he, this is a quote from him. Realize that your body language mirrors your verbal language. Remember that body language reflects feelings, not facts. So he did a study and he discovered that more than 70% of our communication is nonverbal. 70%. The way you walk, the way you look at people, your lack of eye contact, looking away when someone's directly addressing you, um, the, the guilt that we often exhibit, the frustration that we exhibit. We don't even have to say anything and someone knows how you are feeling. So I'd like to give you 15 thoughts and we're going to do that as quickly as possible. And if I don't get through all of it, um, maybe um, I'll just give you the answers and we'll run through it. But I'd like to give you 15 thoughts um, and uh, 15 words that can help us have a positive faith attitude. The first one is involvement. Number one is involvement. Get involved. People who sit on the sidelines can always find something negative about a situation. Get involved. Get involved while you have the opportunity right here at college. And I know that opportunities are constantly thrown your way. And uh, oftentimes we say, well, that's for someone else. Get involved. Be a person who's involved. Uh, get involved. It helps your sense of purpose. It, it also helps you with your confidence. The more you get involved, the better equipped that you are for a pastor who comes in looking for someone that's going to serve in his ministry. Ministry. The Bible says, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Get involved. Number two, instruction. We're at West Coast Baptist College. Every single day, there's opportunities to learn. Always be willing to learn. Take good notes in class. Take notes in church. Uh, read at least a, a book per month. And you say, I'm sick of reading. Okay, when you graduate, read a book a month. Someone has said this, and I believe it is absolutely true. And in, in my age, I know that it's true. Reading is food for the mind. And uh, the more you read, the better your mind, the sharper your mind will be. The Bible even illustrates this. Apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge in Proverbs 23 and verse 12. Number three, the word integrity. Our society no longer knows the meaning, much less experiences this character quality. That should not define you. Every single young man, every single young lady, you should be defined by being a person of integrity. In fact, the Bible says this, let integrity and uprightness preserve thee. Um, if you always tell the truth, you'll never have to worry about getting caught in a lie. Or let me say it this way. If you always tell the truth, you can have a short memory. Because you never have to remember the lie that you told yesterday to cover that lie. So be a person of integrity. Integrity means that you do not lie to a fellow classmate or to a, a teacher. Integrity means that you do not cheat on a test or an exam or a paper. Integrity means that you're going to say uh, the right thing that is, that's, 
that comes from the word of God. Integrity means that as a young man, I'm going to keep my hands off of those young ladies. I'm going to respect who she is. Integrity, uh, integrity is something that our society does not understand, but you should understand. You see it demonstrated every single day in the lives of your instructors. And I want to challenge you to be a person of integrity. The next word, number four, is the word motivation. Motivation. What motivates you? Is it money? Ego? Is it pride or a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Is it recognition? If I could just get up there and Dr. Getch could tell me how great a job I did, is that something that you strive for? Is it the approval of man, the, the pat on the back? Or do you desire a relationship with Jesus Christ and that's your motivation? Understand what really motivates you. Uh, one of the strongest forms of motivation is the word love. I, I told you when I got up here, I love West Coast Baptist College. I love being a pastor. I love being a Christian. It's a motivation. I can't wait to get up and uh, uh, go, to, go into what we call work or church every single morning. I love what I do. What motivates you? What motivated Christ to come to this earth to die for you? The Bible says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. We actually coddle evil today. We watch evil. We laugh at evil on the television and in our movies. And uh, the Bible says we're to abhor that. Number five, for the sake of time, we'll move right on, is the word multiplication. Multiplication. Let me say there's far too much subtraction going on in our churches. <laughs> the devil's real. I could give you stories till tomorrow morning about how the devil's trying to destroy and undermine churches. Your church, where you come from, your pastor could say the same thing. The devil is trying to subtract. He's trying to destroy. He's trying to take away. But unless we multiply our efforts and we win more people to the Lord, our churches will die and the devil will be victorious. May I just tell you, young people, we need to multiply our efforts to reach people. Quickly, number six is the word memorization. You hate memorization. I'm sick of memorizing verses. I've been sick of memorizing facts for a test or, <coughs> excuse me, or a quiz. We hate memorization. But the Bible says we're supposed to memorize. Um, our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the way we can overcome that is by hiding God's word in our heart. We know that uh, in Psalm 119, the word of God says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Psalm 104, the Bible says, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. In other words, my, uh, if I'm going to meditate on the Lord, I've got to memorize the word of God. Uh, so don't, don't be upset when that teacher or your pastor or someone challenges you to memorize the word of God. The older you get, the harder it is to memorize. And so while you have young, fresh minds, memorize and take that on as a mantle. I'm going to memorize as much of the word of God as I, I can. Number seven is the word acceptable. Acceptable. I want you to notice that I did not use the word accept. The world demands that we accept everything. And the Bible clear, clearly teaches us that we're to be found acceptable to him. 
The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We know Romans 12 and verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, what's that next word? Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Every single one of us, we know someone that's been caught up with the whole LGBTQX, whatever the latest letter is. We know someone because we work with them. Perhaps it's a family member, a friend that's from high school. And so therefore we get soft on issues where the Bible is strong. And I would just like to challenge us that it's not about accepting what the world throws our way. It's be about being acceptable to God. And may you have that kind of attitude. The word eight, the, the, the number eight is the word accountable. Steer, student, dear friend, let me just say this. This is lost in our world today. We want to blame everyone and we want to blame everything for our problems and our discontentment with life. And I implore you this morning to find someone that can hold you accountable. It should not be your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It should be someone else, uh, perhaps a mentor that can ask you tough questions. Uh, every one of us should have someone that has the ability to ask us, are you praying and are you in the word? Are you telling others about Christ and how's your finances? And are you inviting people to church? And are you a witness? And do you confess your sins? And what are you reading? There ought to be some people in our life that hold us accountable. I always worry about the person that doesn't want an accountability partner. Because that person that doesn't want an accountability partner uh, is a dangerous person to have on your staff. Because ultimately, they'll let you down. And I don't want to hire anyone that has a problem with having accountability in their life. The Bible simply says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins. And oftentimes it's that iron sharpening our iron accountability partner that brings us to that point. You know what? I'm not doing. I'm not reading. I'm not saying. I'm not having that positive faith attitude. And then we can confess that to the Lord. The word uh, for number nine is the word, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, approachable. Approachable. May I just say, don't allow your snooty, snotty attitude to keep people at arm's length. Don't be one of those people who are always uh, looking back and talking with regret because of you did not have relationships with your other classmates and your brothers and sisters in Christ. We oftentimes, we build walls because of some bad past experience that we're still clinging to. And I, I, I think that many times it's easier to have a love affair with the world than to have a great relationship with a brother and sister in Christ. And so... Let's be reminded of what God told us. Let not thy heart envy sinners. There's a lot of times that we don't want to be approachable. We don't want to be accountable. Your attitude communicates who you are and who you want to be. Your attitude communicates who you are and who you want to be. The word number 10 is the word goals. Goals. Please excuse me, I've been fighting, a, fighting off a little cough and cold the last couple of days. Um, set some goals, whether it's Bible reading or memorization or exercise or financial goals. 
uh, in all areas of your life. If you aim at nothing, guess what? I'm going to promise you something today. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. And there's a lot of people in your age bracket that are aiming at nothing. And they're still, uh, they're, they're still searching for the answer to life. You have it. And you can make something amazing with your life with a positive faith attitude by setting some goals. Everyone talks about setting goals, um, but few people actually set goals. I set a goal back in January to learn calligraphy this year. It was way out there. It was outside the box. I wanted to learn calligraphy. I want you to know that I've been phenomenally unsuccessful in achieving that goal. But then I set a goal uh, uh, that I wanted to, to, to lose some weight and I wanted to get into bicycling and I set that goal and, and I've been successful in that goal. There's going to be goals that you hit and there's going to be goals that you miss. But if you don't have any goals, you're definitely not going to achieve anything. Set some goals. It gives you something to look forward to. So I've been able to read a number of books this year that, that were on my goal list. I've been able to stay faithful in my Bible reading and my prayer life. Um, those are goals I've been able to achieve and they've been able to help me with my attitude. Set some goals. Here's the thing. Um, it's impossible to stay focused or evaluate your successes or your failures without a purpose, <coughs> without an objective, and without a plan. It's amazing to me. Most people plan more time planning an activity with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a wedding or a vacation than they do actually planning their lives and setting some goals for their life. We often Use James 4 and verse 14 in a number of different ways. Uh, the, the, the brevity of life and someone doesn't accept Christ or, or in this particular situation, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Our lives are short. Don't waste your life and get to your 40s, 50s, and 60s and say, I wish I would have done. I wish I would have set goals. Number 11, godliness. Number 11, godliness. Godliness. I want you to write that word and then look up here because this next sentence to me is the most important sentence of the entire message. All right. You cannot have a bad attitude and tell people how godly you are. You cannot tell people how godly you are with your bad attitude. It doesn't work. It's hypocritical. It's not possible. One's positive and one's negative. And I want to challenge us. We need some young people that will exhibit some godliness. Churches are now full of people who demonstrate 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. I pastor many of them. Here's what that verse says. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. There's a lot of people that have a part of godliness. Hey, I got saved in the church, I got baptized, and they're sitting. They're doing nothing. Don't be one of those people. Don't have a bad attitude. Here's the thing. If you have a bad attitude, may I just say it very directly, very bluntly? If you have a bad attitude, you are not right with the Lord. You're not in a right relationship with the Lord. You're not in a right relationship with someone if you have a bad attitude. Number 12, word is gentleness. People need to know you care. We're in such a hurry that we never slow down long enough to hear the heart's cry of those who are hurting. There are some who are hurting. 
It doesn't mean they have a bad attitude, but genuinely their body posture, their nonverbal communication says that they're carrying the weight of the world. Sometimes our attitude is, well, that's good. I'm glad it's not me. Let them have it. We need to demonstrate some gentleness. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Number 13 is the word excellence. Excellence. Do everything to the best of your ability. It helps your attitude. When you strive to do things excellent, dress excellent, fix your hair excellent. Um, uh, when, when it comes to doing a research paper, do it to the best of your ability. When it comes to uh, talking with other people, do it to your best ability. When it comes to walking across campus, do it to the best of your ability. Square those shoulders. Get your head off uh, from looking down at the ground and counting the ants. And look for people. And, uh, and look for someone that you could say, how are you today? And they say, not good. Well, then pray for them. Or they're having a great day. Two positive faith, attitude, people meet each other. It's a great thing. It might help you in your dating life as well. Don't take shortcuts. Don't do things halfway. Do it right the first time. What did Jesus do with his very first miracle? Did he say, hey, I need to practice a little bit on this miracle thing. And so let me just see what I can do. And maybe by the time I get to my fourth, fifth, sixth miracle, I'll do it right. No, he made the most excellent wine at the wedding. His first miracle. He did things with excellence. Uh, number 14 is my favorite word. And I hope it's communicated. It's the word enthusiasm. This is the one that we're going to pray that Dr. Shetler can work on just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> enthusiasm. Without question, enthusiasm is a vital element in maintaining a positive faith attitude. May I just say this? Enthusiasm is an attitude. Enthusiasm is to attitude what breathing is to life. You, you cannot have a positive faith attitude without being enthusiastic. And enthusiasm makes you, enables you to make do with what you have. You don't complain. Enthusiasm gives you the power to get up early when you're not a morning person. Let's try that tomorrow morning. Let's have some enthusiastic students that get up early when your body and mind crave one more eight-minute snooze button. Enthusiasm keeps you working on a project and keeps you from quitting. Don't be known as a quitter. Enthusiasm fuels motivation to make things happen. Enthusiasm brightens your personality. I can't get a date. Circle this. Enthusiasm brightens your personality. I'm being a help to you today. I met a young man while I was waiting on Brother Shepherd uh, over in Revels building. I met a young man and, and he was telling me, and I, I wouldn't embarrass him or, or anything like that. So, so anyway, he was telling me what his major is and what his year is. And, and um, it wasn't a freshman, sophomore, senior. And so, um, uh, and, and anyway, we got to talk. I said, are you, are you dating? And uh, I said, you know, by your junior year, you should at least be dating, I think. You should be trying. I mean, um, I heard an amen. Very good. Uh, why are you sitting off with a row of guys? <laughs> I heard the amen, but I mean, it's like a surrounded. He's got the iron wall there of guys all around him. So. 
Listen, enthusiasm, it's lost. We, we need, it'll brighten your personality, it'll help you in your dating life. And, uh, and let me just say, enthusiasm distinguishes a championship team from an average team. I don't want to be known as average. Uh, my whole life I've had to fight not being average. I'm the average size. I have the average shoe size. I was the last kid picked when we played games. And, and I've had to fight that my whole life. And you know what, how I've overcome that? By being enthusiastic. And uh, uh, it brightens your personality. Enthusiasm is the burning desire that communicates commitment and determination and spirit. Enthusiasm shows everyone else that you're sold on what you're doing and you are seriously motivated. In fact, there in your notes, enthusiasm allows me to understand that the last four letters of the word enthusiasm means this, I am seriously motivated. <laughs> what motivates you? I'm seriously motivated. I love serving the Lord. I love being a pastor. I love the Duke Blue Devils, the greatest basketball team. Got a couple of men's there. I love bicycling. It helps me in my exercise. I love my children and my grandchildren. I love telling people about the Lord. I, enthusiasm. It brightens. What are you seriously motivated about? And then the last word is the word number 15, the word encouragement. Encouragement. Every single one of you talk a lot every day. And your words either build up or they cut down. Your words either strengthen someone or they destroy someone. It is within the power of your tongue to cause someone to feel bad, low, discouraged, despondent. We need some students that the first thing we think about is encouraging someone else. And we need to watch our words. As I began to end this message, if you were to take groups of three, the first three words began with the letter what? The second three letters begins with the words M. The next three begin with the letter. The next three begin with the letter. The next three begin with the letter. If you put those together, it spells the word image. As I conclude my message, let me talk about image. We are so worried about our image. We worry about what other people think about how we look and how we dress and how we act. We worry about image because the world's taught us that image is everything. I, I do trust that you're smart enough to know that those people that are on the front of every magazine, that they've been airbrushed. They do not look that way in real life. In fact, when I met Vanna White about 15 years ago, I was shocked. I was at the Sacramento airport going to visit my in-laws and Vanna White of, what's that show called? Will of Fortune. I used to watch Will of Fortune just so I could see Vanna White. She was so pretty. She had a different outfit on every day. Her hair was fixed different. And, um, and, and she was just this, this pretty, pretty lady, whatever. And so I was in the Sacramento airport and everybody was around this star. And I looked and they said, that's Vanna White. I said, can't be. <laughs> no, no, for real, that's Vanna White. I said, there's no way. 
The person on TV doesn't look like that. That doesn't look like the person on TV. We are always worried about our image, and so often our image comes from a magazine and from a television show where these people have been airbrushed and they've been nipped and tucked everywhere. Listen, you know what the Bible says? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth where? In me. You know what my image should be about projecting Jesus Christ? First and foremost, what should come to my mind is does Brent Armstrong represent Jesus Christ in a wholesome manner? Would I embarrass my Lord and Savior because the Bible says that he lives in me? I represent him. I'm an ambassador. My attitude represents him. Where I go represents him. The things that I say represent him. But listen to this. 70% of my communication, which is nonverbal, represents him. Last night I saw two guys sound asleep in Dr. Shetler's class. I don't want to harp on that, but I did see it. They weren't hiding it. One of them had his mouth open. I tried to look to see if there was drool, but I couldn't see. You know, they projected an attitude last night. Now, they may have had a hard day. I don't know what their circumstance is, except they need to apologize to Dr. Shetler. But I mean, I, I, I don't know what their circumstances are. But I just say this is that, you know what? They communicated. I'm not interested. I have to come to this class. I'm just an outsider observing. I, I watched two guys sound asleep and they said, hey, listen, I, I, all I'm doing is I, I'm just getting my class credit time in. I've got to be here. I don't want to be here. What he has to say about discipline, and I'm sure that's not what the whole class was, but that was what the slide that was up, whatever he was teaching at that moment, that wasn't important to me. The image that was projected wasn't about Christ. We carry ourselves as representatives of Jesus Christ. How are you doing? How's your attitude this morning? We all have one. There's not a single person here that does not have an attitude. Very quickly, I have to tell the story. Very quickly and we're finished. So you can close up your Bibles. No more notes. And uh, if I missed any blanks, I'm sorry about that. But uh, I, want to, I want to tell you a story. I took my oldest son who went to West Coast many, many years ago. He's now married, uh, uh, multiple children. Um, I, I took him to China. It was my very first time to China. Uh, my very, very first trip to China, I went with my son. I've been to China 55 times, so there's been a lot of times between that first trip and this. I've seen the country change in so many ways, and, uh, and it's unbelievable. My son and I, we went there to visit four of our English teachers that had graduated from our Christian school back in South Carolina, went on to college, graduated from college, and they were now teaching English. They lived in four different parts of China. So as their pastor, I went to visit them. I traveled uh, to the first three, and we finally made it to the last four. And we were in a, a, a town, uh, 600,000 people, called Idu, China. Y-I-D-U. Uh, Idu, China. And there in Idu, China, uh, I was given the uh, opportunity to speak, and, uh, and I spoke in the classes and everything. And, uh, um, and then our teacher, Mary Beth, she says, um, uh, one of... The interpreters here, who's, who is a Christian, she would like for you to go tell her dad about Jesus. 
it would take us a little bit to go there. Could we go? Could we do that? I said, sure, I, I, absolutely. My first time, I'm completely naive. I don't even know what I'm doing. Why? I mean, I know why I'm in the country, but I don't know what I'm doing in the country. This is all very new. Um, about 20, 20 years ago. <clears throat> so we travel, we leave on a bus, then we get on a van, then we get on motorcycles, and then we're actually in, uh, uh, out into a grass field and we go into this place uh, where Mira, uh, that her mom and dad lived. It was literally a barn. Um, uh, two big doors open. They, it, when you walked in, it was a threshing floor for whether rice or wheat, whatever the crop was that was in season. And Benjamin and I, we, we walked in and I said, this is going to be interesting. And uh, they had cleaned out one of the rooms uh, that, uh, that was used to store rice. And literally, uh, the, the man, uh, 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 Mira's father, uh, she, he put out two boards and we were going to sleep on two boards that night in a grain room there on their farm. We walked through and uh, time's, time doesn't allow me to tell you all the little parts of the story, but they, they certainly lived completely different, no running water. Um, and it, we just had a little bit of water. We uh, had an interesting experience. Uh, we took a bath at night. It was a basin of hot water. I got to go first because I was the honored guest. It was very weird. I said, no, I don't, I'm okay. I, I can make it till tomorrow. And Mary Beth said, no, you're going to offend them. So I washed my feet and hands, and that was a bath. And um, I passed it to Benjamin, and Benjamin passed it to Mary Beth. And Mary pa passed the basin to Mira, and then to mom, and, uh, and, and to dad. And then mom got it last. It was black water by the time they got back. It was a very interesting experience. We go to bed. There's no electricity. There's no running water. We have, uh, and this is 20 years ago, we don't have the smartphone. We don't have the technology that we have today. Uh, so we lay down. Once the candle is blown out, it's dark. It's so dark, you don't even see, you don't even know you have a hand. That's how dark it was inside this room. Benjamin is, has asthma. He's uh, severely asthmatic. And, um, and the, all the particles of all the grain that was still in the air were there. And um, it didn't take long until he said, Dad, I can't breathe. And he, um, he began to struggle with his breathing and instantly his lungs closed up and he was struggling to breathe. Well, uh, I, I found his inhaler. His inhaler didn't work. And uh, he said, Dad, I can't breathe. And he was struggling. He was just breathing right here from the top of, of his lungs. My son is literally dying in China and there's nothing I can do about it. So... <clears throat> I, uh, I put my hand over. He's completely soaking wet with sweat, struggling to breathe. And, and I, I, I pray over him. I said, Lord, please intervene. You've got to help. And what do I do? I remember I had an upper respiratory tract infection pill. It was a great big pill. We had a little bit of water. I, I dug around in my um, uh, uh, backpack. I found that. I prayed over that pill. I gave it to, to Benjamin and he, he drank the water. And, and, uh, and then I just kept praying. Uh, as I heard him struggle to breathe. Well, then I heard this. And I thought, oh, no, they have a dog. If that dog comes in here, he's allergic to dogs. It's all over. I mean, so how in the world can I see what is going on? I remember I had my, my camera. And whenever you turn the camera on, there's the little square there. And I said, I could use that as a flashlight. Dug around my backpack, found the camera. I turned on the light and I shined it at the door. And there's a snake hanging down from the doorway swinging back and forth because it caught a moth and it was trying to eat the moth. Well, listen, at that moment, I said, forget about Benjamin. You just got, you're on your own, son. And, uh, and 
I am deathly afraid of snakes. And I was like, uh, this, is, this is amazing. I, 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 I just flipped out. I was, uh, where did that snake go? I actually have a picture of it. I, 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 it's not clear, but I got a picture because my hands were shaking so bad when I took a picture of that snake. And it slithered back up in the door frame. And I remembered this story in the Old Testament. Do you remember that story in the Old Testament where the sun stood still? Uh, excuse me. The, yes. The sun stood still so they could continue having a battle. I was like, Lord, you stop the sun. Can you hurry up and speed up the sun so, so they can become light in the, <coughs> in the morning? Finally, the sun was just breaking through. I had not slept one minute. One minute. I had not slept a minute. I was, Benjamin was, he was barely sleeping. And, and there was just enough light for me to walk out looking like this. I walked outside. I am upset. I have a bad attitude. I'm sitting outside. God, why would you bring us all, over here, all the way here? Benjamin almost died. The snake is in the room. I don't even know where that snake is. And, um, and, uh, I, I, and, and I was having this conversation with God. Well, then, um, then, then Benjamin comes out. Mir comes out. She said, are you guys okay? I said, do you know that there was a snake in the house? She goes, oh yeah, the, the snake keeps the mice away. Wait. Anyway, <laughs> Benjamin, is, Benjamin is sick. Four ladies come from the village for church service. I'm outside. I'm not hungry. I just want to hurry up and get out of here. We're supposed to leave at, at, at lunchtime. I'm ready to go. I have a bad attitude. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting on a log. I'm kicking the ground. I'm like, I'm in the middle of nowhere. This is not fun. I am not having fun. There is nothing good about this. So we get inside. And, um, and uh, the four ladies are inside just sitting on, uh, on stools. And Mir comes out and she goes, Pastor Armstrong, we're ready for church now. She's so excited that the ladies from the village came in. I said, oh yeah, okay. So to my shame, I went in. I, did, I just said the right things. The Spirit of God wasn't controlling me. I said the right things. Oh, and they were eating everything up. Mir was interpreting. She was grinning from ear to ear as I was going through the motions. A lot of times we go through the motions. Finally, I said, you know, the Bible says that you're supposed to hide God's word in your heart. Have any of you ever memorized God's word? No, none of them brought a Bible. And isn't that, isn't that something a good preacher should say? We're supposed to memorize God's word. How many do you agree? That's something we're supposed to say. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's good. Hey, we're supposed to memorize God's word. And have any of you ever memorized God's word? You know, just a haphazard. It's a non-emotional. I'm having a bad attitude. I don't want to be here. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go to a hotel where I can get a hot shower. And there's this lady, uh, uh, very gruff looking. Her hands were solid like leather from working in the fields. She has deep, deep wrinkles in her face. She's spitting on the floor and taking her foot with, on her spit. I mean, she's as rough as can be. And she begins to just, la, 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 in Chinese. And she goes on and on and on. And she just talks and talks and and, um, and, uh, and she's harsh in how she's saying things. And she just goes on endlessly. And finally she stops. And Mia looks at me and she goes, she just quoted Matthew chapter 1. And she wants to know, do you want her to quote Matthew chapter 2? <laughs> For the first time in my entire life, I felt that 
I wanted to crawl out of that place. And since that moment in my life, I said, I'll never, ever again have a negative attitude. Who am I? Who am I to grumble and complain when God allowed a lady to have just the book of Matthew and another lady had the book of Mark. They had only Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they passed it around. And the only way that they thought that they could keep God's word was to memorize it. Look at Matthew chapter 1 sometime. I was humiliated, and I said, never again. My attitude changed that day. What will it take to change your attitude? We need some young people with a positive faith attitude. How's your attitude?